The spirit of performance is what defines Acura. And now, it's electric. Introducing the ZDX, Acura's most powerful SUV yet. Crafted using the same formula that brought them electrified supercars and multiple IMSA championships, the ZDX has track-tested performance that packs an energy all its own. Unlock the energy and order yours at Acura.com. Nebraska Preps postgame with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. Actually, one of my favorite times of the week. Um, he's really good at communicating. We get along well. Can't say that about all my partners that I do podcasts with. Uh, but welcome <laughs> to Nebraska Preps postgame uh, with my guy. Just fresh off his birthday yesterday, my man Jacob Padilla. Man, happy belated birthday. Happy birthday yesterday on social media when I told you. How are things? Well, uh a lot better yesterday than when I woke up this morning. Fair, <laughs> good, good, good point. Yesterday was a it was a birthday. Today you wake up to not so good of a gift. Yeah, uh, Chris Paul apparently in COVID protocols in the NBA uh, after testing positive, despite reports that he has been vaccinated. So, yeah, so not great. Th- I have some pr- so there's some pros and cons to that, right? The 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 pros are. I don't have to talk about another athlete or somebody with a lot to lose, not yeah. not or choosing not to be vaccinated, yeah. right? And I'm sure. Listen, the Rizzos of the world, I'm for you, right? It's cool. It's your choice. But if I'm John Rom or somebody, and I know that not being vaccinated cost me 1.7 million dollars, I I'm just trying to figure out what the number would be. To give me a peace of mind to not be vaccinated, right? It's like, and I'm not trying to tell people what to do. Knock yourself out. But coincidentally, John Rahm is now vaccinated. (laughs) (laughs) I'm getting my second shot tomorrow. So, (laughs) you know, so, so the downside of that, though, is if he was, in fact, vaccinated in February, like some of the reports are, he's positive again already? Well, and so... The thing, like, the vaccine doesn't protect you 100%. True. It it protects you a lot. They did say you'd probably need boosters. And once you get it, it helps. It it keeps the symptoms down. It it makes it much much easier on you if you do get it. So um, I... (laughs) I, I think Damian Lee, I saw, also um, tested positive from the Warriors um, after being vaccinated. vaccinated. So, I mean, it's going to happen. Unfortunately, I... I don't know how it happens to Chris Paul. Can it's just his luck is insane. It's it's almost you can't like make that stuff up. Yeah, a knee, a hammy, a back, a hand. It, it, it's always something. And, and then to have the scare of the shoulder thing in the first round, and to get through that, now you think, all right, we got through the Chris Paul postseason injury, and then bam. You get hit with, it's not an injury, it's something completely different, something incredibly unique to this season and this last season, I guess, and now we don't know. It's, again, up in the air. He is, uh, indefinitely, he will be out and away from the team, but, again, we, we don't know exactly what the protocols are, what exactly he needs to clear to be able to get back in it, and we also don't know when the Western Conference Finals are going to start, We um, at least going six here. Um, in the the other Western series, and if it goes seven, I, 
I'd love to see that. Just give us a little bit more time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's just it's interesting. Good things right? can't happen. It, uh, in the NBA, I I would have if you would have asked me to rank level of importance. This is pre the playoffs starting. Actually, second round. Okay. I would have ranked so three of the four people that are in the headlines this morning. I would have put probably one, two, four in terms of the level of importance value to their team. Kevin Durant, one. I would have gone uh, Kawhi Leonard, two. I probably would go with James Harden, three, and Chris Paul, four. This was starting the the, the second round, right? So I figured... Three of those guys are in the headlines today, and only one of them is in the headlines for playing basketball, and that's KD. Well, even Harden is kind of involved in there, too, because he played 46 minutes and scored three points and could barely run. Hey, how about his humility, though? James Harden, I'm not going to say he's, like, high on the Q rating, but he's gone from kind of unlikable to, okay, he's been a fantastic teammate. He said all the right things. He's constantly cheering. He gave it what he had yesterday. And then he openly says, hey, I did the best I could do. I, I, I gave it the best I had. Wasn't much. Yeah. But it was, I think, emotionally, it's enough to give them a shot in the well, arm. And that's what he said. My team needed me. I had to go out there and do what I could. And, again, he wasn't particularly effective, but just being out there, considering they don't have a lot of other great options, um, I think that probably did take some of the pressure yeah. off Durant being able to play 48 minutes when you've got Harden handling the ball and bringing it up and at least getting them into their sets and all that kind of stuff, whereas you don't have to necessarily rely on Durant to create everything on his own. You can get him into better situations mm-hmm. to start with, so it makes it a little bit easier on him. Yeah, Chris Paul, man. Uh, I, I didn't want to get into like the recency bias, and I'm usually the def- – I'm, us- I'm a Chris Paul advocate, right? Yeah. I. You heard you know, he's hard on his teammates. He grades over time. He hasn't got them past the second round. He hasn't, you know, he can't, can't do this. He can't do that. And I'm just like, um, statistically, yeah. he holds up over time. Uh, and I think he's kind of shown this team. It's not, he's not necessarily hard uh, on all of his teammates. If you're in lockstep with him, uh, his team, like the the guys in Phoenix, absolutely adore him. Yeah. And he's been. I mean, he's written. Uh, DeAndre and he's been all over him. I mean, he's gotten on Devin Booker at times. Like these guys, difference is these guys are ready for that though. After everything they've been through, they want that kind of challenge. And these guys are all, like I said, in lockstep with um, what Chris Paul wants too. And that's a big part of why he came to Phoenix because this is the situation that he saw playing out. Maybe not necessarily Western Conference Finals, but it's a team on the rise with young guys that wanted to win. And he felt like he could be the guy that could come in there and help them do that. Yeah, this NBA seven minutes brought to you by Nebraska <laughs> Preps Pro Scan, Post Game, <laughs> Jacob Padilla. Two more quick things. Number one, um, you brought up Devin Booker. Uh, last week on our show, and I know sometimes you'll go back and, and, and cast if we have got some good enough titles for you. <laughs> I, kind, I compared Devin Booker's efficiency of movement, right? to Clay Thompson. It got it got some pushback real time, right? Because I don't know, I think people for whatever the reason they still kind of want to knock Devin Booker even though he's a much more willing defender 
and people give him credit for. I'm not sure he's ever going to be a plus defender, but he's willing. And, and he guards. And he has been good in the postseason. Yeah. That's kind of the, the old narratives that people, you, you just toss out, oh, uh, Devin Booker, massive defensive negative. And I, I, I always felt like that was overplayed. He wasn't good, and he still got some bad tendencies at times where he'll ball watch and get back cut or, or things like that. And he's not necessarily elite in terms of physical tools with his length to be able to challenge and alter shots and that kind of stuff. But he, he's a lot, but he's not like a Trey Young level bad where it is just an absolute drain <laughs> on your entire defense. He's a guy that can fit in at 6'6, um, decent enough athleticism, decent enough understanding of the game. He can fit into what has been the number one defense in the postseason. So, like, now that he's actually had a reason to play hard on that end and he hasn't had to carry the whole offensive mm-hmm. load, he's got Chris Ball with him, he's got some other guys stepping up. Now we can uh, put a little more effort in on defense. And I, so I went back. I was just, this wasn't to, to validate or vindicate. I just went down the Devin Booker rabbit hole and uh, how he was recruited, um, you know, how Cal coached his dad on, on, on one of his teams. Uh, it wasn't really the all-star group or the Pan Am deal. It was, I can't remember where he coached Melvin, but it was a kind of collection of, of talents, right? And meeting him and, and Melvin Booker's dad, not necessarily caring that they still had the twins playing and coming back at Kentucky. He didn't want to throw Devin into, you know, kind of the fire early. And it was he and Ulyss that came off the bench that year. And there's a 2015 clip of a young, young Devin Booker where people, do you know who they compared him to? Uh, I mean, Clay Thompson was a comparison Clay, even coming out of the draft. Clay Thompson. And even three years into his career, people will still make that. I think it's it's combination of the way he w- did play at Kentucky and I think just kind of the way he looks a little bit. Um, there's some similarities between them. Um, but yeah, their games are nothing alike in terms of overall w- what Devin's strengths are compared to what Right. Plays are and so where I think I was getting pushback was people didn't hear yeah. the, the end of the comparison. I said, I'm not talking about being a knockdown three-point shooter. I'm talking about very little wasted movement. In the, but the body mechanics, how he moves, fitting into spots, being a complement but still a deadly score. He's very efficient with his movements. And, and that's kind of... What they've been allowed to do with Chris Paul on the team now, where you can run him off the ball more and put him through sets where he catches the ball in advantageous spots where he doesn't have to create as much as he did off the dribble previously. Like, I mean, last year he was playing kind of more shading towards the Harden type of uh, dominating the ball, trying to make every play. Um, and he, he did fairly well in that role for uh, the talent around him. Mm. Um, but now you get a kind of mix in a little bit of that where it's Devin. <clears throat> excuse me, go, go get a bucket, but you can also get him a bucket and get him into his spots where he doesn't have to dribble 10 times to get open <laughs> and, and make a play. You can, you can just come off a pin down, knock down the mid-range, get a little pump fake, one dribble, pull up. Like He can get to all his different spots now because he's sharing the, the, the court with a guy like Chris Paul. Yeah, continuing with this NBA 10 minutes brought to you by Nebraska Preps postgame and Jacob Padilla. It's uh, June. Very, what are we going to talk about? A very spirited conversation where I said, I would take Steve. They're starting to rank Chris Paul. I had him at sixth. I had him as the sixth best NBA point guard. And I didn't count Steph Curry as a point guard. I went with Magic, Oscar, Stockton. Not in this order, although Magic is one. Magic, Oscar, Stockton, 
um, Isaiah Thomas, and Steve Nash. I put, I put Paul sixth. And you hit me with the subtle. Yesterday it was just, hey, you know what, I'd probably take Chris Paul. Today it was most smart basketball <laughs> people would take Paul ahead of Nash. But you have a caveat. The caveat is what? Over... I just think that the totality of what Chris has been able to do throughout his Over career. Time. And again, Steve Nash is my favorite player of all time. He's the reason I love basketball as much as I do, why I'm a Suns fan. Um, and he, two-time MVP, you can't really say much um, against that. Um, but Chris Paul was better early. He's just as good late into his career. Obviously, you've got the defensive side of it as well, in addition to being as good as he is on offense. And he's not as flashy as Nash is as a passer, not quite as creative, but the assist-to-turnover ratio is immaculate. And that's where the, the point guard nickname comes from, is he just understands and plays the game at such a high level, that, that point guard position, um, where it, it just he doesn't make many mistakes. And he's just so efficient everything he does. And... Chris, obviously, we saw that that closeout game, game four, just just masterful performance. There was nothing that Denver could do against him. Um, obviously, I think Steve, he wasn't quite. Um, I don't know that he controlled as many facets of the game as Chris does. Some of for it as was much style of play, yeah. having to play with D'Antoni in that in that. St- that style of offense, but can you imagine today without really being able to be touched or checked with a stretch, just putting Steve Nash, I mean, Amari Stoudemire couldn't shoot. Now he could finish and they could play some two man games, but just imagine Steve Nash with a guy that could play pick and pop or pick and roll. Well, It'd Actually, be deadly. Well, Amari, after the microfracture surgery, he came back with a, a jumper. A little he bit, was a knockdown a elbow jumper. So he had the pick and pop, not out to three, but to the elbow. And he still had the, the he wasn't quite the nuclear athlete, but his touch was just insane around the basket. So like that pick and roll, that's, I mean, one of the two, three best pick and roll combinations, I think you would say that we've seen in the NBA. Obviously, I haven't, I didn't get to watch the entirety, uh, Stockton, Malone, and, and some of the older guys, but just in terms of, what they're able to do together. And with Nash, it's interesting. And he's come out and said, like, he uh, he probably should have been a little bit more aggressive at times. And that's something that a lot of Suns fans kind of talked about throughout his career, um, where as skilled as he is, um, like, he could have scored more. And it just wasn't necessarily in his nature. And he's come out and said, like, you know, probably I, um, if I had tried to be a little bit more aggressive, maybe – my career would have looked a little bit different, but that just wasn't in his nature. And that's part of what I loved about him is just how unselfish he was, how he was always focused on getting other guys' looks. Two guys that we've talked about as we transition to the high school level, because I think philosophically i got a couple questions. Because you don't see it often, but I think we have one, maybe two. They happen to play for the same team, so hold that thought. We talked about Kawhi Leonard early. He's a mid-range guy, even though... He shoots a really good percentage from three when it matters, i.e. the postseason. We saw Chris Paul go for 37 points without making a three-pointer. Try that at home. <laughs> Just doesn't happen in 2021. Could you see the could you see the high school game, given what's happening with analytics, where long twos, mid-range game, if you're not Tate Oddbody, 
if you're not Chandler Meeks. Two guys that have tremendous pull-up game shoot a, a significant amount of deeper twos, aren't necessarily at the rim, but in that 6- to 12-foot range. I don't know how you feel about Josh Dix. He kind of comes to mind, too, with good mid-range game. Could you see if you're efficient enough or being, yeah, being efficient enough where the mid-range game has a place in high school athletics right now. Well, definitely. And that's kind of, that's the whole discussion about the analytics as a whole is it's telling us not that mid-rangers are bad shots. It's that most guys aren't good enough for them to be a good shot. If you are good enough at that shot, it's, a, it. it's an incredibly valuable tool to have, especially depending on with so much drop coverage late in the shot clock where maybe they've got two guys in the paint. You're not going to be able to get all the way there because that guy in the corner is not a knockdown shooter. Um, like that's where it really becomes um, such a valuable weapon if you're really good at it. I mean, don't you have, have to, don't you have to have something other than the three, the yeah. layup, or the floater? It's right? it's a great lo- uh, late shot clock weapon or late in the clock weapon. Um, it's not a great early in the shot clock shot. And obviously, we we don't have shot clock yet in high school, but it's not something where you want to come down, uh, no pass, dribble in, and pull up from the elbow. Um, regularly. Like, you want to be able to try to generate easier looks before you kind of go to that. But if nothing's happening there and you got an opening and you feel confident in that shot, step in, knock it down, and I don't think coaches will have a problem with that. So two guys, uh, one has graduated and has moved on to Gonzaga, Hunter Salas, had a great pull-up game. You know another guy that I like that has a really fantastic pull-up game but sometimes gets a little bit knocked for his shot selection is Josiah Dotzler. He's got a fantastic pull-up game. His mid-range game, I, I, because he's not to the point now where you think like, ooh, knockdown three-point shooter. But he is a he could be a prolific scorer if he wanted to be. If it's you know if it fits within that offense. But his mid-range game, and I know it's funny you say that early shot clock versus late. Sometimes when you have pull-up game, people question whether it's a good shot or not. Isn't that? Kind of the we have to reconcile it in our head, right? Yeah, and a lot of it is the the kind. Uh, and like I'm saying, if no possession, you dribble down and just pull one up and uh, take it. If there's a hand in your face, um, like those aren't good shots. If uh, defense is playing way off, and you, again, if you're good at that shot, step right in the shot, knock it down, um, make them pay for the way they're defending you. That's when it's a good shot. And yeah, Josiah, um, I, I think kind of. That's part of the development of playing off the ball with Chucky where you swing the pass, pump fake, they close out, one dribble, pull up there um, with the guy, uh, the help defenders kind of in the paint. So that's where it does become a, a really nice weapon to have. And then if you've got that threat, then that opens up the drive all the way to the basket even more. And Josiah, I watched uh, at the UNO team camp uh, this weekend on Saturday, and um, and he went head-to-head with Taman Lipsy, the, commit, uh, the Iowa State commit at Ames. And Josiah straight up outplayed him head to head. And um, I think he had 22 points in that game, really efficient. Um, Taman came down and hit a three to tie it with uh, like 12 seconds or whatever. Got the ball to to Josiah, pick and roll, snake that thing, went down, went up in the air, took the contact, extended and finished for the and one and went up and made the free throw too. And then they got to stop. So like and then he was he was pretty darn good in the second game I saw. Um, it's funny too, too, right? Because critics always say, "Don't let him get to the left hand. Don't oh. let him get to the." But game winner he, with the right. Him's finishing. I, I don't know if it was the broken wrist. 
him finishing around the rim, he's pretty ambidextrous. Which, now, now, maybe off the power dribble, okay. Yeah. Right? Those little tight ball screens, you let him get in the lane left-handed, it's yeah. probably a wrap. But yeah. <laughs> he's pretty good with finishing with He hands. really has because that, again, that was a knock I used to have on him where he was strong, dominant left hand when he was younger. And now you wouldn't even be able to tell watching him it, it, unless he's taking a jump shot. Um, he finishes either way, going right hand and equally comfortable. You don't see him in the fast break crossing over to try to get to his left hand necessarily. He's fine. It's continuing with the right. Uh, and that's such a huge um, asset for, for players when you can do that, when you can be, especially when you're as good a fisher as he is, when you can go with both hands. And that's a uh, thing with Josh Dix too. That's one, the more I've watched him, that's um, obviously you kind of had the reputation as a shooter. Last but, night or Monday night. Yeah. Really good chance to watch some high-level guys play. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, Miller North against AL, uh, Jason Green against Josh X, and they were matching up with each other. But I was, I was saying that the thing with Josh that I've, I've really come to realize is how good of a finisher he is with either hand. It's body control. Yeah, uh, and body control. He touch, has fantastic body coordination. Um, like he's so good. Like jumping, like taking off from halfway up the lane, up and under, extend, finish with the left hand. Like, that is a tough finish, and he makes it look easy. Um, so that's, uh, again, the more well-rounded you are, the tougher it is. And Josh, talk about well-rounded. I think Josh Dick is a, as a great example of that as we'll see in kind of the Omaha metro area. Do you have a comp for, not, maybe not a comp for him, but a comp from a recruiting standpoint on where you think he is right now? to where you think he could end up. There are a lot of people that will tell you, if you watch, it doesn't matter what gym he's in, if you watch him enough and you say, oh my gosh, if he would just shoot it more, he could be, and then they throw out some pretty lofty, really good basketball players. Do you have a comp for where you think his evolution on the recruiting cycle could be? It's I wouldn't call him a late bloomer. I I think he's maybe uh, in a late tension getter. That's exactly it because he didn't come over to OSA until last summer, and then that the, the season kind of got wiped out, right? So um, he didn't get a play in front of coaches um, at live ter- live period tournaments. So um, obviously, you kind of put the film out there. You, uh, the his people reach out to coaches, and um, he got some offers anyway. But um, uh, now I think. Coming into July, it's going to be a big month for him to potentially really garner some more attention um, for that OSA team once they do hit the Adidas circuit because it'll be the first time outside of, a few, obviously, uh, Paul Lusk, Purdue, uh, Purdue's offered him. Creighton has seen him play in, in person multiple times, just being around here, and obviously his son playing at OSA and all that. So um, he got that opportunity in, during the high school season, whatever. Um, but... Um, so you get more coaches that get a chance to see him in person and see kind of that. And the thing with Josh is he's not necessarily – like his highlights are good, but it's not he's not a highlight player. He's just an all-around make-the-right-play type of player. Yeah. And he's a step-up in the clutch. I've seen multiple times Monday nights where he's come up he and likes made the big bright- shots. Okay, so that's I, – see, I kind of like this because I, I just – I always cringe when – you know, people just like stats. And and maybe it's because of the way I've watched my own son play, yeah. right? That I'm that I'm drawn towards being a winner and being making good basketball plays. It's not always gonna be about getting you twenty, although you could be capable. 
I love the fact that he's found this blend, and there's a couple of other guys like him that I think are really, really efficient. And even they probably haven't realized what they're capable of being because it's contrary to their personality. Doesn't mean that they're not a dog. It just means like they've played the game away a certain way and but but are very capable. Like he's got a whole nother dimension to his game, in my opinion. The thing is, like Josh, I just don't know what his weakness is at this point. Right. I think he's at least very good in pretty much every area. He's he, an eight across the board, right? He's yeah. not gonna be a ten one night and a two the next. And so as a Which secondary handler, yeah, he can run the pick and roll and make the right reads. He'll make the extra pass to a teammate. He'll make plays on defense with his length, block shots, steals. He'll go in there and rebound. Um, obviously, he can shoot and he can get through him and finish, as we're talking about. So like, um, it's going to be interesting to see kind of how he steps up against the Adidas-level competition, the, the best of the best, like how much of that stuff translates at a high level against even better competition. I think that's kind of the next step for him. But in terms of just having the skills and having the overall feel and understanding of the game, he's got such a great foundation right now. Yeah, I thought Monday was a really good, and I didn't get to Lincoln because you were there on Tuesday, and I hope we, we may not we may run out of time for, <laughs> for Lincoln. But I thought Monday was a really good snapshot into, because we've talked about this the last two weeks. Hey, what's the difference between high school and summer, high school summer, AAU, like – I felt like there were a couple of really, really good examples last night. I'll give you one, for instance. I watched West Side and South, right? South, relatively young. It's pretty open-ended, but it still boils down to making good, right basketball plays. I won't even say fundamental, right? It's, it's wide open. Uh, it looks like summer. Yeah, the there, there's no scouting reports. But there's no game plans. Yeah, but it's it was different, and I felt like you know they ended up only ended up scoring 35 points. They're a better team than that. Yes, but it just it it reminded me that at the end of the day, I still think summer on the high school circuit. Is about is still always going to be about making the right basketball plays. Yep, and that's I mean, the <laughs> Warriors are running rush shot through everybody they play, no matter who. And they're not even healthy; they're Ch- missing two Chandler starters. And, uh, yeah, Chandler <laughs> and Caleb didn't even play, and <laughs> yeah. it still didn't matter. Again, South is a team that won the Brian Shootout; has been playing some good basketball, uh, and <laughs> it just wasn't even really that competitive. So um, I was a little the sixteen sixteen score against Gretna. Had my attention in the first one for for West Side. Now they pulled away, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> but uh, you got a chance. And I so I won't say the good end, <laughs> but all the fuss was yeah. down there with with Miller North and and Bellevue West. What could you discern? I mean, Miller North's got twenty guys on the bench. <laughs> Bellevue I think it's West 15. still working. <laughs> Bellevue West still working in some new yeah. pieces. But the stars were kind of stars. Yeah. Um, well, I'm looking forward to this weekend. Uh, Bellevue West and Westside are supposed yeah. to face off um, this weekend. Yeah. Um, in one of the two terms, I forgot which one. I think the prep team camp yeah. or uh, I think that was it. But um, hopefully both teams will be relatively healthy-ish, um, have most of their guys there for that. We're close. Uh, <laughs> we're close. But, uh, yes, um, Miller North, so – that was a lot of fun to watch Jason and Isaac go head to head or Jason and Josh go head to head. Um, 
especially because Jason has been on his visit, so I hadn't got to see him play with that Miller North team. And I think at this point they're still trying to figure We're something about Miller out. North and AL. Yes, um, and. So they've got uh, David Harmon and Nick Dolezal were kind of their um, backups as um, juniors last year. Kind of role players came in, did their job, didn't really put up a lot of stats, but they're good basketball players. Those two will start. Jason obviously will start. I think Neil Mosser has established himself as kind of the fourth starter there with the way he's playing. I think they're still kind of looking, all right, who's going to be the point? Uh, who's going to be in that back? Probably Jackson Page. It, well, um, I know they really like um, Isaiah McMorris and Eli Gate, the guys that have been in the in the the program for a, a year already. So, um, and Jackson is the other one in that mix. I think it'll probably he end up being a one lot of those different three. in the blue, right? And I, and I listen. I didn't. I've I've watched him play as he was younger. I didn't see him play a ton of central because minutes were hard to come by. But he was kind of a he's kind of a steadying force. Is that? For that fifth guy, because he'll be probably the primary ball handler, unless you run that offense through yeah. Jason Green. He may be what they need to kind of to 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 distribute. Like they would be well served having kind of more of a true point guard. Yeah, especially if that's kind of the role he buys into. Um, and because Jackson's always kind of been Good more point. more of a scoring Good guard, point. and at his size, it's just tough to be that effective. We've seen kind of that same deal happen with Curtis Ogba Jr., yeah. um, who talented another, player, another, but another fierce competitor, yeah, um, but didn't necessarily always channel it the right way. Um, and hopes, I think Jackson's got to kind of figure out, all right, where do I fit in with this team? And that's that's the tough part about guys transferring over at, in your senior year. Devin Wilson's kind of. Um, the transfer from Brownell Talbot is kind of in the same situation where he's, he's trying to figure stick out, to his oh, yeah. game, trying to figure out where do I fit in with the rest of these guys that have been here and that the coaches already know about and have confidence in. So it, it that and that's the other big part about June is that's when you can do that when you can show all right this is what I can do for you. And so Miller North is going to be interesting to continue to track um, kind of the rest of this month to see how those pieces fit together. And maybe we'll know. So we're going to get some team camps. Uh, some schools will leave. But in summer league, you've got a couple weeks left. Is there is there a team out there that – because I wouldn't call you a skeptic, but it takes a lot to get you kind of like – I won't even say on the hype train, more the bandwagon. Is there a team that has piqued your interest where you're like, huh, this is interesting. I'd like to see them a time or two more. Yeah, um, I've seen quite quite a few already. I, I'm starting to focus a little bit more on Lincoln North Star. Um, I was going to ask the, you the about Tuesday Lincoln League. Southwest. So the thing about Lincoln Southwest is they've been playing without Ryland Smith and Ben Hunziker. So you're getting younger guys. Um, Lucas, uh, Lucas Helms, Helms and Bon Boom have been kind of man in the backcourt there for them. And w- once Ben... A lot, and, a, lot of, a lot of folks like... Like Bomb Boom. Yeah. Both those guys definitely have some upside. You can see why they like them, and they're still, they're still trying to iron out um, the consistency factor of it. Uh, they're both very talented, but you add Rylan and Ben back into that, that's going to look a little bit different. So now you've got one or two of those guys coming off the bench, um, or, or Grant Milak. I mean, like they, they've, got, they've got a good mix of guys. Um, Interesting you bring up North Star, because I like Coach Q. Co- Coach Katroki, he, like – I think they do a good job. He and he kind of flies under the radar. Even when you know they were making runs with Donovan Williams, it was it was about Donovan Williams, right? He's apparently he's at, over time like he's proven 
He's, he keeps making trips to stay. He's a pretty good coach. And the, the big deal about North Star was Brendan Clemens Jr. played with them yesterday. Um, and he's been out the last few weeks, uh, suffered a knee injury. Um, yeah, I saw late, that Late live. in the spring. Yeah, yeah so, so did I, unfortunately. Um, kid that's missed his entire freshman year with a broken leg. Um, now missed uh, a few weeks here with, with that injury after a pretty solid sophomore year. Uh, but he was back out there. <laughs> First game, we got to match up with Isaac Trout. Welcome back, kid. <laughs> but so you have him, Antalas, and Linnell, um, another 6'7", six, 6'8", six, kid that can uh, that is pretty skilled, can knock down the shot. Yeah, their key will be in the backcourt. So he's a sophomore. And then they've got sophomores, Jake Hilkman on the wing, and then Kwan Sidney and KG Gatwich. So you got all, four sophomores and a junior. That's basically your five right there. And they're, they're all really talented, intriguing. I think they'll be played, a lot played, better. Played against Quan yeah. quite a bit, which is the back and forth yeah. over the last five, six years. The commitment to sh- to finding a consistent jump shot could be a game changer for Quan. And he's knocked down a few shots like since I've been watching down in, in that summer. Uh, he's that got summer good lake. length. Yeah. Uh, he's got some shifty. explosiveness to his game. He's got good change of direction. Yeah. And so, like, I think that's uh, – like Miller North, I think North Star is going to be a team that's going to be a lot better – in February and March than they are in December uh, just because they have those young guys out there that they're going to be relying on that'll kind of get thrown into the fire and then see if they can learn from that and get better as the season goes on. Before we, uh, before we get out of here, I'm sure we'll hear at least the music or the, the big voice guy here in a sec. Knowing what you know now, too soon to come up with a top five. We've talked about it. You've thrown some names out there. I'm on record. I said I would, I would put Bell West one, probably prep two, West Side three. West Side is like, hey, feel free to log on to the yeah. Homer Network. We've been killing teams, but I don't love the competition yeah. they've seen either. So, I I think I'd have West Side at least two. I think Bellevue West, West Side are those two. Prep definitely is intriguing, especially with the way Martell Evans has played. Tell you what, he was really good at the. He's the game. X factor. I was talking to Coach Lukey about him over text a couple weeks ago, and I had to apologize for getting about him. <laughs> and <laughs> so, and they played AL right after Miller North did uh, on Monday, and Luke Jungers wasn't there. And, and so, Josh isn't the type of coach that's trying to go out and win summer league either. No, so you no, have to no. kind of take that yeah. with, a, with a grain of salt. But and Sean Ramachandran uh, wasn't there either. He's another senior who wasn't able to play last year. He's a kid I've known for a while. Um, that wasn't able to play last year because of the pandemic. And he missed out on his 16-year summer and his 17-year summer yeah. and his junior year of high school. So that's three seasons in a row that he sat out. He looked really good on Saturday. I think he's going to be a piece that really helps them. But neither Jungers nor him were there. Evans was a guy that stepped up. Casey O'Malley was there, but Evans, I think, really asserted himself. They and, need his athleticism. Oh, yeah. There he's the one that's different than the other aforementioned, right? He's so it's a high-end athlete. Yeah, like Casey's a really good athlete. He'll go punch on you if he's got a lane in the basket. Martell is an even step above that yeah. there. I don't know that you can find somebody more athletic, more explosive in the backcourt in, in, in the state right now than Evans is, the way he's able to explode to the rim, use his body control. Hasn't really shown the ability to shoot quite yet, and it'll be interesting once we get into the high school season where teams game plan and scout specific uh, their defense. But just the, the tools that he has and the way he's playing right now even in overtime, he made um, wasn't a bucket. He pick and roll, dump off to um, I don't know how to say his last name, but Jaden uh, G B E T A N O U. I haven't actually heard it pronounced, but um, made a really nice pick and roll read to him um, for the go ahead bucket. Then they got stopped, and Jaden went and hit two free throws to seal it in overtime. 
Um, so I think prep with the pieces they've got coming back, Jungers is looking really good. I've just got the South Dakota state offer. I think more on the way, obviously he visited UNO, um, recently. Um, so with him, with Evans, with Casey and with some of these other guys that are stepping up, prep's going to be right there in that mix. And then after that, I, I'm having a tough time kind of figuring out. Like, Four, I think five, there, six. there are a lot of teams. Who, that who could would be you in that slot mix. in Lincoln right now? I, I think Southwest will have Hard a to chance because they once, haven't seen their personnel. if they get healthy. But I think Pius probably um, is probably just heading into the year. Hostrider leading the way uh, with Hostrider, Hostrider, and um, uh, Christensen. You got three guys that are all six six that can handle the rock, can go inside. And score inside. You've got Jared Borer coming in as a shooter um, to kind of balance out the size and athleticism. They're just going to be a tough matchup for teams. The question is whether it'll be interesting to see if this is the year that they can get over the hump and win the the highly competitive big one. Yes, they're always everybody's dark horse. Yeah, the, the, they'll be in the mix. Uh, Trayson Anderson is a young guy, um, just going to be a sophomore, six six that can step out and shoot and finish inside. So they've got. Uh, they're going to be a tough matchup for teams. It's just a matter of. How well are they going to play within? Can they be consistent with the shot, with the decision-making? But physically, they've got the pieces to be right in there as well. So I think those two are probably the ones that intrigue me the most. I think, again, North Star, North Star I think, will be better late than early. Uh, Lincoln Northeast will be solid. I, I, I think the, uh, Lincoln's actually going to be pretty competitive this year, kind of the city title there with a, a lot of those teams. You don't see a lot of teams that are You didn't mention one of the usual suspects in the East. Yeah, and East, I think they're, they've got a lot of guard play. They're still kind of figuring out. They were very, uh, very small. Westside hammered them a couple of weeks ago, and I, you know, it wasn't a, it's not a typical Coach Campbell team yet, right, where we'll touch and, and can guard and play ball screens, but you got, mean, he's a fantastic coach. Yeah, Bam McPhail and Joe Marfisi are the kind of the two starters coming back, and they're kind of looking for young guys to step up. I know uh, my guy Carter Templemeyer has a chance to um, kind of be a starter there and be one of their go-to guys, um, and he's been playing pretty well recently. So they're still figuring out a lot. They got a lot. They're going to be elevating a lot of their JV guys that, that were sophomores and juniors last year. They'll have a chance to kind of round that out, but they should be. They're going to be competitive for sure. They're going to fight, uh, and they're going to get. They're going to be able to knock off some teams. I think at, at different points. As we'll probably get ready to hear the music here. Uh, more to gain coming up in this live period. Jay Dawson or Josh Dix. Ooh, that's tough. I I will say Jay Dawson just because he's starting on a lower level. I think there is more room, but. Josh has a chance to really blow up as well. Hey, how about how Jay Dawson is on the lips of just about everyone that's even remotely watching Summer League? He's been really good this month. And you know what? He may buck the trend. He didn't always bark as a pup. Yeah. But he may bite as a dog. He appears to be assuming the role. That's one of the best in the business. That's Jacob Padilla. I'm uh, Damon Benning. This is uh, another episode of Nebraska Preps. Clat post wait Nebraska post game. How about that? I can't even remember the name. You were so good. Uh, we'll be back next week. The pot will drop. We're gonna move to Wednesdays to give us a chance to watch Monday Summer League, Tuesday Summer League. We'll be back next Wednesday with Nebraska Preps post game. Nebraska Preps post game with Damon Benning and Jacob Padilla. A Huda Media Production.